The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. exciting time. We're kicking off uh, a series in, uh, in the Gospel of John. Uh, this is, uh, I, mean, I mean, we beg the Lord for his plan and his pattern, and then he gives it to us, and it's like this perfect fit. It's like a puzzle piece that we've been looking for, and it's, the la- you know, it's awesome. So I'm just super excited about diving into this passage. Uh, I want you to understand that the first part of this uh, we're going to do over the next three weeks. I'm going to share today just on verses 1 through 5 and 14. Rob's going to pick up in verse 6 uh, and take Take us through verse 13 uh, next week, and then I'll pick up again in 14 and, and go through 18. Now, 1 through 18 is called the prologue. The prologue is basically um, unpacking what the entire gospel of John is about. So if we get to uh, week three and you're like, wow, that is lofty. Wow, that's amazing. That's huge. Just wait, because here's the good news. As we journey through the rest of chapter 1 and into all the way to chapter 21, that's what gets unpacked is this prologue. This first 18 verses is what kind of uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, through John kind of unpacks all these awesome little things and details like Jesus being the word and being the life and being the light and being the one that's filled with uh, this balanced uh, expression of, or example of being filled with grace and truth. Uh, and he's going to show us the, the I am God. And he's going de- to depict that for us. Thou, how he is the bread of life and the living water and the gate and the door and the resurrection and the life and the way and the truth and the life. He is going to define what Moses was given at the burning bush back in Exodus. That uh, if, you know, who do I say that you are amongst the polythe- polytheistic people in, in Egypt? I mean, they worship everything. Uh, who are you? you know? And, and uh, he says simply this. Tell him, I am who I am. And Jesus comes to be the expression, the word. He comes to be the one that depicts that through, through, uh, through, through the, the very mouthpiece of God is the way that Hebrews helps us to understand the mission and ministry of Jesus, that he is the word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so um, we're going to unpack that today. I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready. Um, one of the ways that I want to help you get ready for this and, and really do something that's lasting. Um, so CBD, Christian Book Distributor, is a great resource. If you don't know this website, uh, you can get, I mean, with Christian, I mean, Family Christian not being with us anymore, uh, this is an incredible online resource that, 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 that brings, uh, you know, almost everything you could possibly want uh, as far as Christian literature and, and knickknacks and gifts and, and all kinds of things. Um, but uh, this book, uh, this is a, basically a, a, a way to journal through our study of the Gospel of John. Okay, so every single, uh, when you get to a passage, uh, off to the side, there's a, there's a place to write down what you're, what you're gleaning from the sermon, what you're gleaning from your personal study. You can write in what the Holy Spirit shares with you that's unique and personal. And at the end of our study together through the, through the, the, the Gospel of John, you now will have a very personal and unique expression of the Holy Spirit's interpretation of that passage or that book for you that you can reference and, and share. And I think that's a treasured thing and a, and a good opportunity. But it also, this is what I love most about it, is it, it says to God, I want to be a learner. I want to be a student. Literally, what that means is I want to be a disciple. I want to know your word, 
But I, I, more importantly, I want to put it into practice. I want to live it. I want to walk it out. And, uh, and, and that's just, that, that, this is just another tool or instrument or way to do that. And so um, I've, I've ordered 12 more of these. Uh, if, you said, if you say, oh, Pastor Colin, I want one of those, man. I'm, I'm excited. I was just going to come ask you where I can get them. Uh, put on your connection card. You know, um, I, I would like one of those. First come, first serve. If I need to order more, I will. Otherwise, just go to CBD. Don't do it now, but go to CBD and, uh, and order one of those, and, uh, and we can do that together. All right, so um, let, let me give a little bit of a backdrop to this. I think it's so important that we always go back to the Old Testament and look at the prophecies and understand that these things that came to us uh, in the days of Christ and the, and the over 300 prophecies that were realized in the person of Jesus Christ, it's always important that we see that God is faithful to his promises. Amen? Right? The God, can you say that this morning? God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful to his promises. And so uh, what we see... Um, in uh, Isaiah 7, 14, uh, is, uh, is that God said that he would send uh, a child to a virgin and that she would give birth. And, and, and his, it, part of his descriptive presence would be that he would be called Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. And so as Matthew, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke because they're similar. John has a very, very unique expression of who this Jesus is. And I think that this is a treasured perspective, John's perspective, because hear this, guys. This is a, this is a disciple that was convinced that Jesus loved him. He was, he was, he was passionate. And that, that, that posture allowed him to be the one and only one that stood at the foot of the cross and was there with Jesus at his feet, even at his darkest hour. While others were riddled with fear, he was convinced of Jesus' love. And I'm reminded of the passage in 1 John that says, perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. And John might have understood to some degree, later on with the help of the Holy Spirit for, for sure, that Jesus was paying his, his price for his sin and dying in his place. And it didn't make sense for him to be anywhere else because this is the one who loved me. And so my, my expression of, 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 uh, of knowing that meant that I need to be at his feet. Um, Mary got that, Martha's sister. So the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, they, they begin with Jesus' conception. You know, this, this little 13, 14-year-old girl is in Nazareth. Man, she's all excited. She's pledged, pledged to be married. I mean, this is good days. This is exciting times, right? And she's just uh, minding her own business, and heaven shows up and tells her that she's highly favored and that God's got a plan for her that is the fruition of a promise that Israel had begun to believe that was going to happen through a young married woman because they couldn't conceive the fact that a virgin could, a virgin could give birth to a son. And, uh, and God means what he says. And he's able to do and accomplish what he says he's going to do. And he did. And the angel Gabriel came to Mary and he said, Mary, you are highly favored. And she said, what does this mean for me? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be overshadowed by this powerful presence of God himself. And, uh, and, and because of that, you're going you're to be the vessel that God is going to utilize. You're going to be the mother of, of Emmanuel, God with us. And, uh, and you will bring forth a child, and he will be the king, the long-awaited Messiah. And then Mary has this ideal response. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done unto me as you have said. And you know, we know that to be true because when she shows up to uh, her relative Elizabeth, Elizabeth, like, you know, she, she just basically says, 
Yo, Elizabeth, I'm here. No, I don't think she said that. She said, you know, Elizabeth, you know, her greeting reaches the ears of her, of her, her older, you know, relative that is just considered blameless. Just, you know, what's, what's incredible about this is that Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah or Zacharias, depending on your translation, um, they are both Levites. Not only are they Levites, but they're both descendants of Aaron. And they're relatives of Mary. And God, what God was doing was bringing about his son to not only be the king of kings, but to be the high priest to the church. And we see that, and the Savior. And those are all depicted, guys, as we look at the Christmas story. Those, all three of those, those roles that Jesus would fulfill, all of them were depicted in the gifts that the wise men came and brought at a distance in order to do one thing, and that was to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And those gifts depict one, myrrh, a burial spice, right? Depicting him Savior. Then we have frankincense, uh, was used for prayer, for, for incense, and, and would lift their, their prayers before the Father, right? The high priest. And then we see gold. And gold was a, a gift that would be given to a king. And these were the, the demonstrations. And it's so, it's so beautiful because as we see this story unfold, we see that, uh, that they, they, were, they were on the precipice. Literally that night, Joseph would be given a dream and he would be told to, to get out of Dodge Right, that you've got to go because Herod is, is, is jealous for his throne and he's going to kill every child under the age of two based on the timeline that the, uh, that the wise man gave him. And so, you know what I love, about, uh, I love about Joseph is he gets this dream and he's like, okay, Lord, I'll get to that on Monday. Uh, maybe, you know, after I have a good night's sleep, I'll do that in the morning. No, man, God speaks, he moves. And in radical obedience, he, he, he gathers up his, his family, who, by the way, has been in, been in Bethlehem, living in a house. Now Jesus is a toddler. That's exactly what the scriptures say. This is where the wise men met him. And he gathers up this family, and he heads out at night on their way, radical obedience to the word of God. Do you think God knows the timelines of things? Do you think that when he tells us to do something, uh, when you ask your child to take the garbage out, do you mean now or later? So, I mean, you know, God, God, God knows these things and he asks these things. I'm not saying he doesn't have deferred timelines on things, but when he asks us, I love Philip. You know, I love Philip. You know, Stephen's martyred. There's the, you know, all the churches dispersed. Philip's in Samaria. Just, just realizing what, what Jesus said would happen when the Holy Spirit was brought upon us, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Jerusalem, you know, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And here's Philip's doing, doing ministry in Samaria. And what happens? God says, go to the road that leads to God's, right? I mean, he, and he's, he's having fruitful ministry, and God says, go. And what does Philip do? He doesn't just go, he runs, right? And then when he, he sees, uh, he doesn't even know where, he's, where, 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 where it leads. He doesn't care. He's like Abraham leaving, leaving the land of the Chaldeans. Or he's just going, right? Um, and he goes, and out of radical obedience, he is the instrument that God uses in order to bring the gospel to Ethiopia, you know, and who knows, guys, as, as uh, Tom so eloquently said this morning, who knows? By the way, when Tom was speaking, I couldn't help. So, Diana, maybe this is a possibility, but back there in the keyboard, switch it over to, like, the organ and be like, mm-hmm. are you with me? Were you like that too? I was like, man, he's preaching. I love it. So, um, uh, that's neither here nor there. Okay, so, so what I love about the Synoptic Gospels is this. Brother, thank you. Thank you for just sharing your heart with us because, I mean, I just, I love it. Um, so 
the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what we hear is we hear about Christ's origin from whether if it's, if it's Luke, we're hearing from it from Adam, right? Like the lineage starts or ends with Adam, right? And then if we're hearing, hearing, hearing from Matthew, who's, he's the gospel about the, the Christ, the Messiah, specifically to the Jews. And, uh, and we hear from the father, from Abraham, the lineage down to, 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 uh, to Jesus or to Joseph. And, uh, and then we have Mark, who picks up the story really at John the Baptist, at the first calling of the disciples. He doesn't even get into the birth story, right? But for, for Luke and, and Matthew, they kind of unpack for us this whole, like, Jesus pre-two-year-old saga that transforms and, and they leave Samaria. I mean, they leave uh, Nazareth and, and they're completely outcast. They're considered to be like sinners and that there's no way Mary's pregnant. I mean, yeah, right. You know, like they, and, uh, and Joseph joins her after a dream in this, in, this, uh, in this narrative of God's redemptive plan where he's going to birth his son and realize the prophet's promise. And, uh, and, and, and so we get the story from that perspective. But John... John says, we got to go back to the beginning of this guy. This guy that we call Emmanuel, this, this God-man. we got to go back to his origin, which really is beyond our comprehension because he's the Alpha and the Omega. John the Baptist said it this way before. Um, he says, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. I'm not even worthy to carry him. He says this. He says, listen, before I was, or before I was, he was. Right? I mean, that, that's, if you look in chapter 1, verse 15, and then later on in, in verse 30, in the same chapter we're looking at right now, he, that's what he says. J- Jesus say, makes some incredible claims. In John chapter 8, verse, verses four, uh, 58, he basically says this. He says, before Abraham was, I am. You know what that statement to a Jewish, to a Jewish audience says? I'm God in the skin. He wasn't, listen, I love what C.S. Lewis says. Look, he is... He is not a good teacher. He's a great teacher, right? But that, you can't just put him in that category. He's either, he's either Lord or he's lunatic, liar, right? I mean, because he made some incredible claims and then he backed it up with what? His resurrection. I lay my life down and I take it up again. Only God can do the things that he did. Even Nicodemus says it in John chapter 3. We know you're from God. No one can do what you're doing and not be from God. So what, who are you and what's going on? And so, you know, all these things get unpacked for us. Uh, look at Matthew. So Matthew chapter 1, 21 to 23 says this. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Um, and and you, you, you get the fact that, that the angel is saying that this is, a, this is a foregone conclusion. He will save his... Isn't that awesome? He will save... John the Baptist saw him on the other side of his baptism of Jesus, and he said, guys, hey, calls his, his, his disciples over, guys, come here. He goes, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He pointed it. And you know what, you know what a couple of his disciples did, one of them being John, the gospel writer? They're like, Really? I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going after him. And, and him and Andrew, we'll get to that later, went after Jesus. Um, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, specifically Isaiah. Behold, ver- uh, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with 
us. Isaiah 7.14, this is what uh, Matthew is quoting here, the Holy Spirit through Matthew. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the Lord himself will give you a sign, right? Behold, uh, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. So John's narrative of Jesus begins much earlier than Nazareth, Nazareth or Bethlehem. It begins at the origin of this glorious man-God, that, uh, that this Jesus, this Emmanuel, that he was, he was, he is the beginning. And we're going to look at some of this, and it's, it's just, it's awesome. Because here, like, if you're going to put your trust in someone, how about, how about someone that is God in skin? How about someone that is able to conquer sin and death? How about someone that is the author of life and hope, a living hope? How about someone that says that my joy may be in you and your joy complete? How about someone that declares that I have come that you may have life and life to the full? And what he's talking about there is the Greek word zoe, which means eternal life. Not life that ends here and now. Not life that's depicted uh, by circumstances and uh, situations. But the life that transpires inside and manifests itself outside. This is our glorious God. This is the God who longs to reveal himself to you and through you to show you what life is like. Listen, we're born dead spiritually. The scriptures declare this. You were dead in your transgressions and sin, right? Like we were born spiritually dead. We lost our life in the garden. Just what God said happened, happened. We, we, we now are zombies when we walk into this. We, we're al- we, God, we have life but it is not, we're not alive. Our spirits are dead. And what did God do? God says, I will give you my spirit. Isn't that what God does? When we lose something, he gives us his, right? We lost our life, he gave us his. We lost our spirit, he gave us his. And now we are alive because Jesus is alive. He conquered sin, he conquered death. The full expression of, the, of death will now uh, ultimately be realized as his return and we will know the full expression of the fact that we are alive in Christ. Amen? So, um, few of you probably know that uh, I have a t- tendency to get excited and go a little long. I don't know if anybody knows that yet, so I want you to know that uh, right up front, so I'm going to just be clear about that. So, uh, that's not an excuse to do that. I'm telling you what I'm trying to do to not do that is I'm writing things down and then I'm trying to make them really, really concise and, and rich and thick, um, if that makes sense. Um, and so I'm going to be sharing some of these things with you in, in, in order to be concise and brief. Um, but I encourage you to go online and get the notes so you can process through some of these things. Enter into dialogue with me. Reach out to me. I'd love to kind of talk through some of these things with you. But please, I, I'm trying to be concise, so I put these things down and I'm going to share them with you, okay? Um, Jesus revealed his essential nature in what he taught and did. John wrote about Jesus as fully human and fully God. Don't miss this. Although Jesus took upon himself full humanity and entered history with the limitations of a human being, he never ceased to be the eternal God. God walked this planet. Have you ever stepped on an ant's nest? And you're just going... Man, I can't even imagine how long you worked on that. And I can't imagine the intricacies that are going on down there. But now you're, you're, I've, just, I've just wrecked this, right? 
Um, and I think about weird things like this, and I'm thinking, man, if I could just be an ant, because I can't, have you ever, you ever, can I fix an ant's nest once I've stepped on it? You know, like it's got all those little caverns and cavities and, and roads. I mean, can you imagine me trying to get down there and go, let me just fix that? <laughs> it's not going to happen, but this is what God did. He condescended into the, the flesh that he created us in. He put on skin, and he came down, and he fixed our greatest dilemma. He made a way. He fixed us. By dying for the very thing that broke us, which was sin, which caused separation between us and him. And he died so that we might be ushered back into his presence. And here's what comes when we get back in his presence. Life, love, and liberty. And this is what he purchased us back to. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you know why that is? Because he died in your place and he did that intentionally because he loved you. Get used to it. Like, embrace that. That's a fact. That's truth. That's reality. The enemy wants to undermine that truth that God loved you enough to send his son to die. The penalty, the, the curse. He would, and listen, it was, it's what a just God does. He doesn't dismiss sin. He asks for payment for it. And he was willing to do that himself. You know where this all comes from? There was a covenant that was made between God and Abraham. And in this covenant, he put Abraham to sleep. And, and before he put him to sleep, he took a bunch of animals and he had them cut it in half. Now that seems cruel and, and weird to us because we don't live in a sacrificial system. We don't live in that culture. But that was a part of a religious activity that was done in order to establish covenant. And when, when, when blood was shed, they were, the, the, the body parts were separated and divided. And how they would establish covenant is they would walk, each member of the party would walk through the, the, the animal's Okay, looking at the blood and, the, and, and all of that. And, then, and they would say to one another, if I do not fulfill my promise, may this be done to me. Right? And then the other one would walk, same thing. And that was the, that was, I mean, that's, that's big, right? You know what God does? God passes. Now, God depicts himself as a, as a consuming fire, right? We see this at the, the tabernacle as he led Israel through the, the desert. But so this torch passes through these, these animals, depicting God's, God saying, I will, I will die right, if I don't faithfully keep my end of the bargain here. Did God keep his end of the bargain? Right? But you know what else he did? He, he, took, he took Abraham's part and he says, I will die if you don't keep your end of the bargain. And Jesus fulfilled that promise. Isn't that an awesome thing? Because here's the, here's the good news that God knew. You can't. You couldn't. You couldn't die enough deaths for your sin. But Jesus, the eternal God, listen, what happens is if we just get stuck on Matthew and, and, and Luke, the, the danger is that we, we think of Jesus as just being this man, the son of man. But the glorious good news about the gospel of John is that we are reminded that this Jesus is also the son of God that he's the one that flung stars into existence. He's the one that authored life. He's the one that, he is the very word of God. It's, a, it's an awesome thing. So when we start to, to, to unravel, when we start to doubt, when we start to question, when we start to wonder how can this happen or, and how can he do this, we have to remember that he was, he was, the, he was the forerunner. He was, he was and, and this is what he's done. He, he came fully God, fully man, so that he would put his spirit inside of us so that we could actually follow him. We could actually follow him. 
ultimately right into, right into God's presence, complete, full. And, and, he, and he has the power to do that. And he realized that because he's not just the son of man, he's also the son of God. Please don't mistake the fact that Jesus was fully man. He, he can be the high priest. He can tell you that I've been there, done that, I felt it all, I touched it, I experienced your pain. He understands, he relates. But in the midst of that, he told Pilate, look, <laughs> you don't understand. I'm here by God's ordination. This, is, this, is, this was laid out long times ago. It's in the stars, Psalms, 8, Psalms 19 says. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. I was, I, my crucifixion was, was blueprinted before, I, before I, day one was created, before the foundations of the earth. That's an amazing thing. But that's the one that's, that chose, chose to die in your place so that you would know what true love looks like and that you would never doubt that, you, that you're loved and you're ushered in, you're invited in to belong as a child of God. And 1 John 3, 1 says, that's what you are, lavishly loved. Although Jesus took upon himself full humanity and entered history with the limitation of a, of a, as a human being, he never ceased to be the eternal God, eternally existing, the creator and sustainer while he was on the planet, creator and sustainer of all things, and the source of eternal life, God's gospel tells the truth about Jesus, the foundation of all truth. If we cannot or do not believe in Jesus' true identity, we will not be able to trust in our eternal destiny to him. We can't entrust our eternal destiny to him if we don't believe him to be who he truly is, the God skin. Son of God, Son of Man. John wrote this, uh, his gospel, to build our faith and confidence in Jesus Christ so that we might believe that Jesus truly was and is the Son of God. I love that towards the end of John's gospel. It's kind of like a bookend piece. But at, uh, in John chapter 20, verse uh, 30 and 31, it says this, Now Jesus did, not, did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, or the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, why? Like, so I, I want to say this on the front side because I, I want us to know why, why the, the Holy Spirit wrote the Gospel of John for us, right? These are written so that you may believe. That is the aim of the Gospel according to, like, from God's perspective. All of these things have been written so that you might believe. That's, that's the hope. That's the heart behind all that God did in sending his son, dying in your place, resurrected, departing, I mean, uh, imparting of the Holy Spirit. All of this is that you might believe that this Jesus is truly who he says he was and that this God sent him on this mission to rescue you and that mission was motivated and demonstrated by love. That's the truth. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, le by believing, you may, may have life in his name. That's the byproduct. That's the fruit. That's the benefit of belief that's promised to us by God. It's a miracle. It's the greatest miracle God has ever done. It's not giving sight to the blind. Son of David, have mercy on me. It's not healing the lame. It is taking the dead and making them alive, and not for this life, but for all life, for eternity. 
This is what God has done in Christ. That's the greatest miracle that he has taken a heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh and he is writing his word upon us and using us as his missionaries to declare his love to those that are desperate. Man, do you know what the leading cause of death in Pinellas County is? Suicide. You don't hear that because they're being compassionate for the families. But I live next to a detective and we talk all the time. And he tells me sad, sad stories. And you know where this epidemic is most, most apparent? In what generation? Millennials. One of the most connected generations that we have as far as Facebook and all this stuff. But they're lonely. And they're lost. And they don't believe that they're loved by a God who died in their place. You know what we get to do, guys? You know what the hope, what God's hope is? The church of Jesus Christ. The bride of Christ that we would be the hands and feet, that we would give to others what's been given to us, that we would love because we've been first loved, that we would share the grace and mercy and hope of God, that we would consider our resources his, and that we would just sow it into the kingdom. Guys, you know what keeps the kingdom from doing massive expansion is that we're stingy. We're we're holding on to resources. We're not believing that if we store for ourselves treasures in heaven where rust and moth do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, that we don't believe that that's, that's an internal investment and that, that's, that that is paying it forward, that is giving it to God. And listen, who, what do you have that you haven't been given, Paul says, right? And, and why did God give it to you? He's earmarked every resource and I'm talking about more precious things like time, right? This world, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's about the glory of God and the kingdom of God being realized. And you know what? That's good news too. Because it's the best thing you can do with your life is to give it to God and let him use it for his glory. And so, man, the kingdom of God is so much bigger than our kingdom. The will of God is so much bigger. And the fact that he would invite us to be a part of that and to join him in this mission. Do you know, Jesus came, and let's, let's, let's really look at this hard at this text. Jesus left heaven and came to hell. I mean, not complete hell. This is a taste of hell and a taste of heaven, right? It's starting to be more like hell than it is heaven. But it's not, it's, it's a, heaven's a whole lot better than this and hell's a whole lot worse than this, right? And so, like, Jesus came into our muck, our mess, our brokenness, our pain, our sorrow, our tragedy, our separation. He left heaven for that. And do you know that he was being an example to you and me in that way? And you know what it means that God was the word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us? You know what it means that, that in the beginning the word became flesh, uh, that, that, uh, that he was God and he was with God and, and, and that's personified in verse 2 that he, so we, you know, we, we realize that this word is not, is not, a, is not a, 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 a paraphrase, it's a, it, it's a person. Um, like, you know what he came to do? He came to be an example for you and I. So you know what that means? It, it means exactly what Tom was saying earlier. It means we get out of our comfort zones. Do you think it would have been a comfort zone to be in heaven and say, well, I'm sorry for you guys. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of rough down there, but you kind of made your own mess. You know, and how often do we say that to people? Maybe we'll say it because we think it's cruel, but we think it. Like, man, you know, I know you're begging for money here, and, and I'm not an advocate of giving anybody money. Jesus never did it, not once. But I think we use the resources that God has given us, like time and talent, and we use the money that God's entrusted to us to, to uh, you know, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. How comforted are you by the fact that Jesus did that for you? If you've done it under the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it unto me, Jesus says. 
So in other words, if you want to give it back to Jesus, if you, want to, if you want to let him know, like thank him for the love and the grace and the mercy and the kindness that he's demonstrated to you, you know what you do? You reflect it to others. You know what it means to be a representative? It means to represent. That's how you represent. You represent it. You know, we're the moon. He's the sun. We don't have light in and of ourselves. Verses 4 and 5 is talking about this. Verses 4 and 5 says he is the life. And in that, and that life, that life, the life is the light of men, right? Like he's the light of the world. We don't have a light. He is our light. When he invades our life by the presence of his Holy Spirit, now we are, we are lit up. We are enlightened. And that light now becomes this, this invading force. You know, verse five, it talks about, uh, we'll get there, but it's, what it's talking about is just saying like, look, darkness cannot overtake light. It cannot do it. In fact, what darkness is, is the absence of light. And so when we, the light of the world, that's completely dependent on Christ to be a reflection of him. Look, if I give Christ my full attention, you know what I'm like? I'm like, the moon, I'm like a full moon. And on that night, when the, full, when the moon is full, is it pretty bright outside? Right? That, that's how we're supposed to light up the world. But if I don't give God my attention, I turn my back on him. The world doesn't get the light. We don't have light in and of ourselves. He is the light of the world. And then he's planted himself in us by his spirit so that we can reflect his light. So then what's our part? Our part is to sit at his feet. Our part is to give him our full gaze. Our, our part is to give him our full attention. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. You know why it says that in Hebrews 12? So that you do not lose heart. Set, fix your eyes on Jesus. Man, look, there's a lot of, there's a lot of worldly pursuits out there. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways we can spend our time and our money and our resources. There's a lot of things we can invest in. But there's nothing, God has purposed the things that he's put in your life, including your time, your, your time on this planet. He has purposed those things, not for you, but for him. Guys, think about that practically. Like God wants you to join, he's invited you into the mission. And if he's put his spirit, if you are a blood-bought believer, I mean, because it says this, you were bought with a price, you are not your, you don't belong to you. You belong to another. And let me tell you, that is some serious good news. You have been bought as the bride of Christ. You are, you are purchased in love for love. Man, is that not healing? Is that not, that, that's fact. Here's the problem. You know what keeps us from a, a full uh, experience with Christ? Doubt. We don't believe. And it's not just not believing for salvation. It's not believing the truths, these profound truths that are told us in the scriptures. Do you know that we're flawless? Paul calls the Corinthians saints and then starts talking about all their sin? How does God put a spirit inside us and call us a temple if this temple isn't sanctified for his spirit? Guys, yes, it is a, it is a fully done, not done, almost done, finishing thing that God is doing. We're saved, being saved, and will be saved. But in that process, God sees us as fully saved. And he wants, you know what he wants for us? He wants us to see ourselves that way. Because it liberates us to joyful obedience. Guys, light entered into our darkness. We were darkness. We rejected the light. What did we do with the Son of God? What did humanity do with the light of the world? We killed him. Why? Because he exposed our darkness. 
right? But for those, there were some, there were some. For those that, rather than being exposed and try to kill, turn the light out, because I don't want my sin exposed, for, for those that didn't try to turn the light out and submitted to the light, you know what they found? They found hope and peace and love. They found acceptance. They found that God doesn't want to condemn our sin, right? He, he wants to, get this, condemn his son in our place so that he embraces us as sons and daughters. What? That's amazing grace. That's amazing grace. And so the light came into the world. This is the story of the first day of creation. One of the things that God showed me this morning at 3 a.m. <laughs> it was awesome. Like, it just showed, like, man, when we meditate on Scripture, like, this is a limitless, it's God. Like, he's the Word, right? You know what it means that Jesus is the Word of God? He is the, like, out of the mouth, the heart, right? Out of the mouth, the heart, right? That's, that's what it means. Jesus is the heart of God. Jesus is the mind of God. Jesus is the compassion of God. Jesus is the, is the truth of God. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the, the, uh, the, the herald of God. Do you see it? And then he says, you too. He says, I've begun a work. He called his ministry just a start. And he says, I'm going to put my spirit in you so that you can finish it. You'll do greater things than, I'm, than I ever did. Because my, my ministry was lim- limited to Palestine and, and because I've got to stick around Jerusalem because I've got somewhere I need to be on a good Friday. But here's the good news. When I release my spirit, I got to go because he's got to come. And it's better that I go so that he can come. And when he comes, he's going to take this thing to the end of the earth. Because really, when we talk about the acts of the apostles, it's really not the acts of the apostles, is it? It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what, the, that's what that whole book's about, really, is God using people, men and women, to just bring about, and man, isn't it good news that the prophet said this, and, and, and several of them said it, that I'm going to pour out my spirit. First of all, I'm going to take their heart of stone, give them a heart of flesh. Uh, you know what he, he said there was? I'm going to take their heart and give them mine. Did you hear that? God says, I'm going to take their heart, and I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to do this through an inside-out work of my Holy Spirit. And then, you know what we're going to do together? We're going to go and give other people my heart. We're going to go, and, we, and through the catalyst of love, we're going to express to a dying world that there's life. And it's not life for just here and now. It's forever. Though he die, yet he shall live. Why? Because Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. That's good news, man. Listen, this is the answer for every ill. Listen, you, listen, we get all worked up about we need a different president, we need new laws, we need amendments here, we need this and that. Listen, go to the Old Testament. What did law do for us? What did a bunch of kings do for Israel? Right? A bunch of sovereigns. Did it, did it, get, did it make things better or worse? Every time? Yes. Listen, man doesn't need laws. You know what law does for us? It makes us more mindful and more sinful of sin. It does. It's proven. Countless generations. You know, what, you know what humanity needs? Humanity needs a savior. A God that loves them and sent their son to die for him and, and, and declares through that, that, that word, that declaration. You know, this is what he said to, to, his, to his disciples. This is John, 15, John 14. He said, look, what do you mean show me the father? What do you mean show me the father? Look, when you've seen me, 
You've seen the Father, right? He says, I don't do anything unless the Father is leading me to it. Like, the Father and I are one. And you know what I want for you, John 17? I want you guys to be one just the way that me and Daddy are one. Me and Abba are one. I want that oneness for you. And if we get that oneness going on, the world doesn't have a chance. Because he says in that same prayer, he says, this is the reason I want oneness. Don't miss this. So that. Whenever you see so that, pay attention because it's all over the place, right? He says, I want you to be one as, as the Father and I want. This is the so that, that the world may know. You know what God wants? God wants unity. You know what our flesh wants? Our flesh wants me. And that will lead to isolation and division. You want to know why you're having conflict in relationships? Because you want you. You want you. And, and that, there's no exception to this. I don't care if there's someone else is to blame. You still want you. And you've got to, you've got to die to that. We've got to want him. We've got to want him more than we want us. We've got to want his kingdom more than we want our kingdom. We, 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 we have to realize that everything we have is his. And then it shifts the way that we spend it. Man, when you've gotten something from someone that loves you the way God loves you, man, you, you become a good steward just as a, just as a byproduct. And you start spending it in a, in a manner that's going to please him, not please you. You're going to honor God with your wealth, as it says. You know, remember Jesus is teaching, you know, and <laughs> man, people are pretty arrogant. Like Jesus in the middle of a teaching, middle of a teaching. And this guy goes, okay, enough of this. Hey, Jesus, tell my brother, which guarantees there. I mean, why would he say that? I mean, it's not like he can do an email or, you know, like tell my brother to give me my share of the inheritance. We got a family issue going on here, Right? And Jesus says this, and, and keep in mind, this is, this is very practical. He says, what business is that of mine? And then he looks back to the crowd and he says this. He says, keep watch, be on guard against all kinds of greed. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's not where life is found. That's not where we find our identity, our sense of purpose or value. Jesus gives us our identity. We become children of God. That's what we are. We become these, these everlasting instruments now that can give our life because we can't lose it anymore. What, what freedom is in that? Think about it. Like when, when you believe that you've been given a life that's eternal, that the grave has no more sting, I mean, now we are free to give ourselves away as servants. I mean, it's exactly what happened in John 13. John 13 opens up. Jesus is about to wash the disciples' feet. And it says this. He knew who he was. He knew where he came from. And he knew who he was going. Guys, do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know where you've come from? The author of, the, of, the, of, the, of life is now your, 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 your author of life. And do you know where you're going? Because once we know those things, we're, no, we're not risking anything to go out there and give our life for the glory of God. You know, Jim Elliott said this, gave his life for the glory of God, right? He is, no, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, speaking of this life, to gain what he cannot lose. Hey, think about that. He is no fool. This goes along, write this down. He go, this goes along with Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25, right? Says to them, he says to them, you know, if you want to be my disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and come follow me. But there was a rich young ruler that said, 
I, I don't want to be light in that darkness. I, I just want to I, I continue to, to have what I have. I'm not interested in what you want to give me here. So I'm going to hold on to my wealth because I don't think what you're offering me is more valuable. And he walked away. Listen, this whole book, this whole book, oh my gosh, this whole book, get the notes. That's all I can tell you. Just get the notes. Like this whole book is all about this so that you might believe that God loves you enough to send his son and die for you. And this son is Jesus Christ, the author of life. He's the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the truth and the life. He is the hope of glory. He is the only way out of this world alive. He is the one that loved you enough to give his life for you and no greater love than this, than a man laid down his life for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your son, Father that you would, you would send your son, your son, to die for us so that we might live with you. Lord Jesus, that you're the light of the world like day one of creation, that you would, that you would reveal your glory to the darkness and the void, the void that is humanity's hearts and lives, and that you would fill that darkness with your light and that you would fill that void with your life. Lord, I pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, that you would rescue those that are among us. That if there's one among us that doesn't know you, Father, that they would surrender their hearts to you today, that they would acknowledge that there is a greater life, that I'm holding on to junk and I'm missing out on everything. Lord, that, that they would rescue them, that you would rescue them. And Father, if there are saints among us that have continued to live for their glory and not yours, continue to live for, your, for their kingdom and not yours, if they've not been the Philip that runs or the Joseph that gets their family up and runs off to Egypt, because just simply because you said so. Not because they liked it or understood it or wanted it, but simply because you said so. Father, I pray you'd sanctify the saint. I pray you'd save the the, the lost, and that you would rescue us from ourselves and from our brokenness, that you would usher us into a further understanding and experience of your presence, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. So before we get away, I believe with the amount of people that are in this room that there are some here that the Holy Spirit is contending with, whether it be that he's, he's, he's let you know that you don't know him. And Jesus says this, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. He opened the door to the, to the five uh, bridesmaids and they wanted in and he said, depart from me for I did not know you. And how we come to know him is, I call it the ABCs. Okay, so maybe this is you. And if it's you, please let us know so we can love on you and pray for you. But number one, ABCs, number one A, accept that you're a sinner. Accept that you've broken God's law. Accept that you've done what he's asked you not to do. We all have, right? All of us. We're all desperate for his grace. Accept that. Agree with God about your sin. B, believe that he's, he's the son of God and that the father sent his son to die in your place. And if he didn't, you would enter into a godless eternity. And then finally C, and so important, at the end of a convicting sermon in, in Acts chapter 2, this is exactly what Peter, Peter laid it on the line. He said, you killed the author of life, but you did it in ignorance. And, uh, and God will forgive you. And, and they, they basically said, they said they were, they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do? And the C stands for this. Confess that you're a sinner and confess that he's a savior and accept his gift of life and love and rest in that. And you might say that sounds too simple, 
But here's the thing. Faith isn't simple because God helps us to believe. And we are desperate for him. But if you cry out to him, it says this in John 10, Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Is God faithful to his promises, people? Is he faithful to his word? You know why? Because his son is his word and he's faithful to his son. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.